You know some Gamecock Nation? There's something with Shane Beamer and the football staff's recruiting that we're not talking about nearly enough. And that is their ability to identify talent early in the process. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock Athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also the lead staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcast daily. Under Armour Next was in Atlanta for a football camp this past Sunday. So quite literally yesterday morning and afternoon. And it showcased some of the best talent in the entire southeastern region of the United States for the 2024 and 2025 football recruiting cycles. And in the pool of players for this camp on Sunday was a specific group of of targets for South Carolina players that Shane Beamer and the football coaching staff are heavily in the game for. And when looking at these players that were in this Under Armour camp on Sunday, there's something that I took away from this group. And that is the fact that this camp and the targets that were there is a clear indicator of the collective ability of South Carolina's football staff to identify identify talent and identify talent early and often in terms of the guys that were in this camp that held a Gamecock offer or maybe are even committed to South Carolina right now the players that were there were tight end commit Michael Smith 2025 offensive lineman David Sanders defensive lineman Justin Green and edge rusher Jamonta Waller now When looking at each of these guys and their film from the previous high school football season, it's pretty easy to tell why all these guys were at this Under Armour next camp. Michael Smith is a modern-day flex tight end who can line up anywhere and make explosive plays down the field in a litany of ways. In terms of David Sanders, he's an athletic bookend tackle with great body mechanics, and he has a nasty mean streak to go along with that, giving him an extremely high floor in his football profile. Justin Green is a defensive lineman that possesses positional versatility. He can play inside or outside. He takes great angles when attacking the quarterback, and he has an extremely high motor. He never gives up on a play. And then with Edge, Jermonta Waller. He's an explosive, quick-twitch athlete who uses his hands well, which in tune makes him quite the dangerous pass rusher. And the thing is, the rankings for the 2024 and 2025 classes validate these guys' collective talent. 24-7 Sports Composite Rankings has all these guys listed as one of the 209 best prospects in the country for their respective class. And that includes David Sanders, a kid that is rated as the best prospect in the entire class for 2025. But here's the thing. 
Shane Beamer and his football staff, for the most part, have actually been ahead of the curve compared to the guys in the recruiting service industry that cover this kind of stuff religiously. Because if you look at each of these targets and when South Carolina offered them, when they basically threw their hat in the proverbial ring for them, you'll find a very easy trend here in regards to just how early they get in the game for these guys. For tight end commit Michael Smith, the Gamecocks were his very first offer. For 2025 offensive lineman David Sanders, the Gamecocks were his fourth offer overall and his first SEC offer. For defensive lineman Justin Green, they were his ninth offer overall and his second SEC offer. And then for Edge, Jamata Waller, they were his fourth overall offer and his second SEC offer. All these guys now have probably over a couple of dozen offers each. So, needless to say, again, Shane Beamer and this football coaching staff are rarely behind the eight ball in terms of recognizing and identifying and subsequently pursuing really good talent in the southeastern United States. Now, why exactly is that important? Well, there's a couple reasons why. Firstly, South Carolina, as well as they're doing on the recruiting trail right now, and they are one of the hottest teams in all of college football in that regard, especially for the 2024 cycle, the Gamecocks are not yet at the point where they can offer a prospect at basically any given point and either likely land them or end up being heavily in the game form. And of course, we're talking about basically the cream of the crop at every position across the board in high school football. Now, in this regard, they are in probably their best position to maybe throw out an offer and instantly gauge some interest from that respective prospect since the Spurrier years. But again, in terms of having an automatic chance to land guys, they're not quite yet at that level, but they are getting there. Now, the second reason why getting in early on all these talented prospects is very important is the fact that we talked about this before. Prospects are making their decisions much faster at a much quicker rate than ever before in high school football recruiting. So unless you are basically a quote-unquote dream school, maybe you're the home state school, or first major Power 5 or SEC offer, if you do not get involved in these kids' recruitments early enough, your chances of landing them are going to be slim to none. And the thing that's been quite impressive with Shane Beamer and the staff is the fact that in spite of the fact that they have not been in Columbia for very long, They've already built up and garnered a real massive reputation on the recruiting trail with these prospects as a staff that cares about the relationship aspect of these recruitments. Obviously, they're recruiting these guys because they think they're talented enough to play SEC football. No one's going to beat around the bush regarding all that, but they actually do care about the human side of them. What all is going on off the field with them, with their family, etc. And... You're now able to couple that with, again, the on-field progress that has been made. And then you look at these recruiting stretches that this staff has had like they did in late January, early February. Getting guys, again, like Cam Pringle, Michael Smith, Wendell Gregory, and Mazio Bennett all in the fold within a matter of essentially a couple of weeks. That goes a long ways to really capturing the attention of some of these other 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. And 
when you combine all of those things that I just mentioned with the fact that the staff is finding these guys early and not waiting around to dispense an offer, that also goes a long ways because I can promise y'all, besides maybe a dream school offer, home state school offer, or you know, the very first offer, those early offers are always going to stick out the most to these prospects because they were the first schools that really believed in their abilities to play at the highest levels of college football. So again, this football camp with the prospects that were there, it's a clear indication of Shane Beamer and this staff's ability to recognize, identify, and subsequently go after the best talent in the entire Southeastern region when it comes to high school football. Now, in terms of some of the other major sports, maybe women's basketball, a sport where Don Staley and her staff have been recruiting at the highest levels for several years, they had quite the emotional senior day and also a pretty close game against the Georgia Bulldogs. And with this game, it was almost like it was meant to play out this way. Aliyah Boston and the rest of the seniors on the team played a massive role in the team getting past the Bulldogs on Sunday. And we're going to talk about all that in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, I'm sure that probably all of you, if maybe you're not wanting to go to the gym, but maybe you're just looking for something that you can snack on during the day, something that you know is going to be delicious, but maybe also something that's going to be healthy for you. You got to try out Built Bar. Built Bar is extremely enjoyable and it's got a variety of different flavors. You got churro, you got double chocolate, you got coconut chunk puffs, you got cookie dough chunk puffs. I promise you, I tried out that last one. It has literally changed my life and is the best protein bar I've ever had. And the thing is, it's not going to be packed with a bunch of calories and fat content. It's only 130 calories overall only has 4 grams of sugar, and it still includes a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can get these bars today at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. At Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, and when you're there, you can grab yourself a 4-bar box that includes stuff like cookies and cream, double chocolate, or, again, coconut puffs. At Sam's Club, you can grab a 13-bar box that includes flavors like brownie batter and churro. I promise you, you're going to thank me later for this because Built Bar has got a ton of flavors. It's extremely enjoyable, and it is also where Tasty is the new healthy. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Day. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball. You'll find everything you need to know about college basketball all in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Lockdown College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. South Carolina's women's basketball program, for the first time ever in its history, has finished a regular season undefeated at 29-0 as they knocked off the Georgia Bulldogs on Sunday afternoon, 73-63. And the main takeaway from the game was this. When needed, Aaliyah Boston can still take over a basketball game. I know that there's a lot of people, maybe from other regions of the country, that look at Aaliyah Boston's stat line. They say 14-10 and 10 for a stat line. It's pretty impressive. No one's going to poo-poo that. But 
at the same time, you know, for someone that gets so much talk in the national media, why, what, what, what is it that she does that deserves that kind of recognition, that kind of cachet? Well, Aaliyah Boston has proven time and time again, especially in some of these games that have wound up being a little bit close for South Carolina, that when it really is needed, whether she's being double teamed or triple teamed, or she's actually got one-on-one opportunities, she can take the basketball and just take over a game. She scored 25 points on Sunday. She shot 69% from the floor, making 9 of her 13 shot attempts, and also racked up 11 rebounds. No one else on the team, by the way, had more than 13 points exiting this contest. And it was pretty easy to see when watching the game why Leah Boston ended up with this stat line. She constantly got leverage against the Bulldogs' front court, caused a ton of issues for them. And she was also smart. She knew when to press the envelope and when to lay off the gas pedal and maybe to pass the ball back outside or look for an open teammate on the weak side half of the court. And in terms of the fouls between both teams, she made a significant impact in this game as she played a pretty massive role in the Georgia forwards committing 14 fouls in this contest. Again, having to constantly fight to try to get some better positioning against the reigning national player of the year. And when watching this game, it served as a perfect microcosm on senior day, nonetheless of the impact that Aaliyah Boston has had on the program and how dominant she has been against the rest of the sport now for the last four years. I mean, you look at her resume and it stretches quite literally the length of Lincoln Street. She is a national champion, the Naismith National Player of the Year. She's won the National Defensive Player of the Year Award. She's a two-time unanimous first-team All-American, an SEC Player of the Year, And, again, has a plethora of other accomplishments that would take me the rest of the show to go over. But you get the point. Aaliyah Boston is and has been the standard in the sport of women's college basketball for several years now. And while it might not happen every game because of the way that teams try to match up with her, what all they try to do to slow her down, when it is really needed the most, she steps up. For South Carolina. So that was the main takeaway from Sunday's game. But a secondary takeaway is this. No superstar can do it alone. You don't win a national championship without some help. You don't finish ranked number one in the country in the AP and coaches poll. And only lose one game in your freshman season without some help. You don't make it to two straight final fours without some help. And Aaliyah Boston got that from a lot of her senior teammates on Sunday, as the rest of the senior class scored 32 points collectively. And that leads me to the 2019 recruiting class as a whole. This class, with what they have done already up to this point, has an argument to be known as the best group of athletes to ever step foot on South Carolina's campus. I mean, you look at the laundry list of things that they have done, the things that I just mentioned in the last couple of minutes. What can you say about this group? They're really and truthfully, when you look at their resume as an entire recruiting class, there's not a whole lot of holes to poke at with this group. Aaliyah Boston and Zia Cook are probably going to be the number one and number two overall picks in the WNBA draft later on this spring. 
Brie Beal has improved so much as a player throughout her time here. She used to be known as basically just the defensive stalwart of this team, but now is someone that is a reliable option on the offensive end. She's not going to score 10 plus points every single game, but she can go down into the paint and make some tough one-on-one shots. She can sit from outside the three-point line and hit some three-point attempts more consistently. She is somebody that now opponents have to respect in that regard. You look at Letitia Ami here. I mean, one of the best athletes on the entire squad and someone that always gave it 100% on both ends of the floor. Olivia Thompson, quite literally the embodiment of you know, the sacrificial aspect of this program because not everybody gets to play 30-plus minutes a game. Some of the players, unfortunately, they're sitting on the bench for the most part. And Olivia Thompson, of course, she's had to go through a lot of that in the majority of her career as a former walk-on. But when it comes to how good of a teammate she has been and how she has always tried to fulfill her role to the highest of abilities in practice and also within the games as well... This group is one that is going to go down the history books for South Carolina. I personally, I'm very glad that they managed to win on Sunday and defeat the Georgia Bulldogs because I think that this is the kind of team that deserves to be able to go undefeated. They would be only the 10th team in women's college basketball history to do so. They'd be only the fourth program in women's college basketball history to be able to pull off that feat. And I think that they can do so. I will admit this. I do think that they are in desperate need of a bit of a break. So after the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament takes place later this week, I think that the week of rest leading into Selection Sunday is going to be pivotal for this group. But again, there's still so many players on this squad that if a couple of other players have a down game, they can pick up the slack. And of course, the group that really and truthfully embodies that the most is the group that started this historic run for this basketball program. It was really cool to see them get their flowers, both literally and figuratively speaking, on senior day. And again, it is a group that I know that all of Gamecock Nation is going to remember for a very, very long time. All right, now let's transition over from the hardwood to the baseball diamond. As South Carolina played arguably their toughest opponent to date this past weekend in the Penn Quakers. And look, I won't lie. I go on social media. I go on Twitter because college baseball is probably one of my most favorite sports to watch by far. And I go through and I look and see what people are saying regarding a bunch of different teams, both in the SEC and also some other teams and maybe the ACC and the rest of the conferences. And when looking at some of the responses to these SEC teams, some people were sitting there and saying, why are people really propping up South Carolina? They're playing the Penn Quakers. Clearly, those people did not watch a single bit of this series, and clearly, they did not look to see what Penn did this past year. Penn really pushed South Carolina to the brink in almost each of these baseball games, and that is a positive in my eyes coming out of this weekend, in a weekend that offers both optimism and concern for this baseball team, because the Gamecocks displayed a bunch of tenacity in multiple close games against a good opponent that will likely make the regionals, quite honestly, later on this spring. They ended up having to score runs late in two of the three contests and had to hold Penn scoreless in game two to be able 
to sweep them. It was by no means a demolition derby from the South Carolina Gamecocks delivered to the Penn Quakers. The Penn Quakers really gave South Carolina all they could handle. And again, that's going to bode well for South Carolina as they start to get closer and closer to conference play where they will obviously play the best competition in all of the sport in the SEC. Another positive from this weekend, pitching was solid in terms of making the Quaker bats earn their runs. The main thing when it comes to pitching in college baseball is, look, nobody's going to have a pitching staff that probably has an ERA less than three all across the board in their starting rotation. And then a bunch of relief pitchers who can also tout the same sort of stat line. So, Really, truthfully, when it comes to college baseball pitching, you want to have a staff that just does not shoot themselves in the foot very much, that at least makes their opponent earn what they get. And South Carolina's pitching staff did that this past weekend. They issued only seven walks and hit just one batter in 27 total innings against the Penn Quakers this past weekend. Really solid numbers right there. Goes to show y'all just how well Noah Hall, Will Sanders, and Jack Mahoney, although he did give up four runs in his game, pitched this past weekend, but subsequently how good the bullpen has been behind them. I think that they continue to show that, look, South Carolina, they're going to make a deep postseason run. It is likely going to be because of this pitching staff, which leads me to the two negatives that I have, the two reasons maybe for concern with this team coming out of this weekend. Obviously, you'll take getting a series sweep against a team like Penn and staying undefeated coming out of Sunday. But for South Carolina, they would probably admit themselves the situational hitting was not good enough this past weekend. And quite frankly, when you just look at this weekend series from a numbers perspective, South Carolina was very fortunate to sweep the Penn Quakers. They left 38 runners collectively between all three games on base. And that included 19 runners being left on base in game three. Multiple situations where you had a runner in scoring position with no outs or with one out, runners on the corners, bases loaded situations. And South Carolina, for whatever reason, as an entire group, for the most part, just could not bring enough of those runners home. Obviously, when it comes to baseball, it is a unique sport because This is a sport where it is pretty difficult to win every single game that you play because you're going to have games inherently where you're going to have a performance like that, where the batting lineup, again, they might be able to get runners on base, but maybe they're just not able to bring them home. Then the pitching's got to step up. You're going to have other games where the pitching staff, for one reason or another, nobody can command their pitches on that day. And then the batting lineup has got to step up. That's what makes baseball such a really cool sport to watch. But when you're the actual team itself in South Carolina, and again, you had 38 runners on base that you did not bring home this past weekend, Mark Kingston and Monty Lee are obviously going to probably have a little bit of worry regarding that aspect. Now, it's still early on the season, and with a bunch of these guys, usually when it comes to baseball players, all it takes is a tweak or two in their approach, and all of a sudden, they're back to their normal selves at the plate. So, we'll see how they sort of try to adjust some of those things with their hitting approach in the coming midweek game against North Carolina A&T, and in preparation for a massive series against their arch-rivals in the Clemson Tigers. And then for the second negative coming out of this past weekend, 
The fielding in the infield is a massive concern. Let's just be honest. South Carolina, there's reason for worry in this area. They had six errors as an infield this past weekend. The middle infield and Will McGillis and Braylon Wimmer both struggled to make tough plays. And again, that's not to throw these guys completely under the bus because baseball is a fickle sport. You're going to have plays that sometimes, you know, because of the spin of the ball or maybe where the batter hits the ball or how fast it comes at you, that might be just enough to prevent you from making a play in which you get maybe a guy out at second or you can even get a double play. But for Braylon Wimmer and Will McGillis, especially, it seems like at times that they were pressing almost a little bit too much. They were trying to do way too much. Instead of, you know, having a firm base, they were leaning backwards, throwing it off their back foot, and doing little mechanical things that just should not be happening. Braylon Wimmer and Will McGillis, they just have got to do a better job of doing just the little things when they feel those tough grounders that obviously are eventually going to come their way throughout the course of this season. And then another thing that is a big concern in terms of the fielding in the infield is Cole Messina and base runners. And I will be honest, this is a trend that has sort of been a thing for South Carolina for the last several years now in the sense that they've not been a very good team in terms of catching opposing base runners trying to steal second or third base. Colin Burgess was fantastic in terms of not letting a wild pitch or, you know, a breaking ball get past him at home plate, but he struggled to throw guys out at second base. It just was not a strength of his. And Cole Messina so far this season, again, it kind of seems like the same sort of deal where he's good at blocking the play. And that's all well and good because obviously you don't want to give a complete free pass to opposing base runners. But Comasina at times this past week struggled just to get the ball out of his glove and in his hand to where he could make a throw to second base. And at some point, that's going to catch up to them. For their upcoming series against the Clemson Tigers, I already took a quick glance at some of their stats so far as a team. The Tigers have already stolen 25-plus bases this season. Now, part of that's because they're going to be a small ball type team where they're going to have to do that sort of thing to manufacture runs. But at the same time, I guarantee you, there's going to be a coach over there from Clemson that is going to spot what's happened so far with Messina in terms of trying to catch runners stealing second or third base, and they are going to attack that in a big way this next weekend. So a lot of work has got to be done with that infield. They've got to do some extra time in terms of their fielding drills there because that's the kind of stuff that prevents you from going to Omaha. Maybe even prevents you from winning a regional and moving on to the Super Regionals. Fielding is still vital. It's still important. And there's no other time in the season where it shows up the most than the postseason itself. So South Carolina, again, you're happy that they're still undefeated. And again, they showed a lot of persistence in how they managed to sweep the Penn Quakers this past weekend. A team that's going to be really good and give a lot of teams issues this year. But there are definitely some things that this team is going to have to work on if they want to fulfill the goals that they've set out for themselves in 2023. With that being said, y'all, that is going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. In regards to high school football recruiting, what do you think these targets showing up at these Under Armour camps and other camps 
for that matter, shows about Shane Beamer and this staff's ability to not just identify talent, but find these guys early in the process. Let me know your thoughts on that and the other topics, as always, down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube, or you can shoot me a direct message at a line underscore SC on Twitter if you watch today's show on an audio podcast app. And once again, don't forget to make Locked On College Basketball your second listener watch now that you have watched or listened to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. Have a great rest of your Monday and a fantastic start to the work week. I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>